Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another Arse Blog Arse Cast here on arseblog.oleole.com. It's another Friday, it is another Arse Cast, and we've got lots to do between now and the end of this particular show. Coming up between now and the end, we'll be looking back on all things football. We'll be looking back at the Sunderland game. <laughs> we'll be looking back on the Roma game. And we'll be looking ahead to the Fulham game coming up tomorrow. A game we simply have to win. Much like many other games this season that we've simply had to win, but simply haven't won. Uh, but we're hoping that will turn around, and that's something we'll be discussing uh, later on. Uh, we've got Arsene Wenger-Hawkins. George will be here. Whether or not it's in a Tales of the Unexpected capacity or not remains to be seen. We'll have the adventures of Thomas Rosicki and a blog chat with an Arsenal blogger we've never spoken to before. We have gone far and wide this week, uh, we've we've stayed pretty close to home in terms of uh, the bloggers and the people that we've spoken to. Now we're going to the to the other side of the world. Basically, I'll tell you uh, I'll tell you all about that in a little while. So the football, well, between uh, so the football since the last Arscast, well, Sunderland positives from the Sunderland game. We saw Arshavin make his debut. He looked quite good. Obviously, not fit enough really yet. But he looks like he wants to shoot. He flashed one shot just wide. Another one was saved well by the keeper. And he's a busy little guy. He's tiny though, isn't he? I think it was the second half he was coming out for. And he was chatting away with Bentner. And it was literally like watching a guy standing beside a dwarf. I know Bentner's tall and everything. But, you know, he's teeny tiny. Well, he could get through defender's legs and what have you. But uh, that was a positive. And the other positive was, um, hmm, let me think about this. There wasn't really another positive, only that we managed to claw one point back on Aston Villa. And that's looking at it on a very basic level because it was two points that we dropped in the clawback. We could have got three and should have got three points back on them after they were beaten by Chelsea, and the team knew that. Uh, so it really was very frustrating, uh, a, a poor performance, really lacking any kind of urgency uh, and, and it's not a case that they weren't trying really it, it just didn't happen and there were criticisms obviously of how Sunderland approached the game which we'll uh, discuss a bit later with our blog chat but it was a hugely disappointing result another draw another game without a goal and uh, it makes the the goal of finishing in the top four that little bit more difficult uh, so it's it's easy to understand fans' frustrations. Then, of course, we have a Champions League game against Roma. And on the back of the Sunderland game, you're thinking, oh, you know what? 
maybe this isn't going to be so good. You know, Roma are, they're a good quality Italian side and, you know, we're not playing very well. But we should never underestimate this team's ability to raise themselves for, for what is a big game. And they played very, very well, I thought. Now, you might say Roma were shit. You can say that if you want, but nevertheless, we still have to play well, and perhaps the fact that we played well contributed to Roma's shitness. We won 1-0, Robin Van Persie scoring a penalty. We had lots of chances, lots of opportunities on goal. We had Almunia to make a save when it was needed. Uh, but obviously, uh, we had two gift... But obviously, we had two guilt-edge chances, which... Uh, had one of them gone in... Well, you see, here's the thing, right? If Bentner had scored his, Ibuwe's chance wouldn't have happened. Because just by... I don't know what law it is, the law of physics or whatever, instead of starting with a with a goal kick, as Roma did, they would have started with a kickoff from the centre circle. So that the whole passage of play is like going back in time. Flux capacity. You just change the way things happen. So if Bentner had scored his, Ibuwe's chance wouldn't have happened. So it's it's unfair to say if we'd scored those two, we'd have been three up going into the into the uh, second leg. Because if we'd scored Bentner's, Ibuwe's chance wouldn't have happened. Just simply wouldn't. You you can't say that it would. We might have created other chances, but not Ibuwe's one specifically in exactly that way. So um, anyway, I'm straying off the point a little bit here. But those two two guys had chances that you would really um, expect uh, footballers to score. Footballers at top clubs should score those chances. They didn't. However, however, 1-0 is a reasonable result uh, and a goal away from home uh, puts us in a very, very strong position. And the most important thing of all, as I said on the blog, I think, is that we didn't concede a goal. I think they were trotting out some kind of statistic on ITV the other night when they were doing the game. And they said that in six knockout games when we haven't conceded in the first leg, we've gone through. And the two times that we have conceded, we've gone out. An away goal, that might be, you see. So uh, so we've uh, reasons to be encouraged. There's no reason why we can't go to Rome and play the same way. We might have uh, other players back. We might have uh, Walcott back. We might have Eduardo back. Uh, the formation was interesting in the way he set up uh, with Nasri behind Van Persie and Bentner out on the left. Now, Bentner isn't any kind of a left-sided midfielder, but he worked very hard and did a did a decent night's work out there. Uh, but as was pointed out, uh, as I said in the blog, Gilberto Silva was sort of saying, well, imagine this formation with, uh, with Eduardo uh, and Arshavin, or Walcott and Arshavin, or Rosicki and Walcott. And bring Sesk into the equation then. And then you've got Adi Bayor in the equation. And all of a sudden it looks a bit it looks a bit better. Abu Diaby was a big, big positive in central midfield. I think it's uh, easy to look at Diaby and, and say that he is an improvement on Alex Song. I don't mean to slag off Song. I just mean that Diaby is a better player than him. Of course, the problem with Diaby is that, you know, he's injured pretty much all the time. And he's... Uh, gonna miss the game uh, on Saturday, but we'll come back to that in a little bit. So, the main feeling, I suppose, is uh, one that lurched from disappointment to to happiness, and now I'm afraid, kinda, because tomorrow's game, 
how many times can you say it's a crucial game? It's an important game. We have to take three points. We have to get ourselves going in the league. How many times can you say it and then watch them not capitalize or not take advantage by beating teams that they should beat? Someone needs to tell them tomorrow that Fulham are Real Madrid and we'll beat them 3-0. But when they think Fulham are Fulham or Sunderland are Sunderland, that's where we seem to be getting these problems. So I'm hopeful, though, that we won't uh, we won't experience the same kind of disappointment after the Sunderland game. Because, uh, make no mistake, we've got to start winning games in the league and fast because they're running out. And we need to more or less take maximum points from from those games and remember we still have to play Chelsea we still have to play Liverpool we still have to play Man United two of those games away from home so uh, yeah there's a lot of football to play and a a lot of work to do if you want to get into those top four places anyway we'll leave that there for the moment we'll come back to football in a little bit now uh, normally when we have a blog chat we uh, we talk uh, to bloggers, and most of them are, are UK-based or, or Ireland-based or what have you. Uh, but there are, of course, Arsenal fans all over the world. I think there might be some in Luxembourg, and there's some in Spain, maybe. And, and there are some Arsenal fans in Australia. And one of those who has a blog is Spanish Fry uh, from Arsenal FC blog. Hello there. Hey, how are you going? I'm good, thanks very much. Now... Obviously, you're in Brisbane, where the weather is much better than here. So that's one uh, black mark against you. Uh, the good thing about <laughs> you, I suppose, is that you're an Arsenal fan. What was it that made you become an Arsenal fan and not a cunt? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, I started watching football after the World Cup in 1998. And uh, I was a big fan of the Dutch team and uh, Dennis Bergkamp. So I just went where where he was playing and then stuck there pretty much. All righty. Uh, inspired by, by God himself. Exactly, yes. And uh, you get a huge amount of football over there on the telly. Uh, was it... Yeah, uh, if you pay for it, eh? Well, yeah. Well, this is the same as anywhere. Same as anywhere. <laughs> yeah. uh, there is no paradise when it comes to watching football on TV. But is mm. there much of a, an Arsenal community in, in Brisbane? Because that's where you are. I know there's um, you know people in Sydney and there's clubs and, and what have you in Sydney. Is there much of a supporters group in, in Brisbane? Uh, it's relatively small at this stage. It's growing a little bit. There's uh, a local pub in the city, the Pig and Whistle, who do games and things like that. But um, it's pretty, pretty small. We're trying to get that sort of thing happening through the official supporters groups and that. But, yeah, it's quite small at this stage. All right. So what's the name of the pub again? Uh, the Pig and Whistle at uh, Riverside in the city. Yeah, Brisbane. All right, okay. Well, there you go. If there's any more Brisbane Arsenal fans, that's where <laughs> people will be. Um, as frustrating as, as watching Arsenal can be at times, we don't, have to, mm. we don't have to get up at four in the morning to watch a Champions League game or stay up till uh, one o'clock in the morning to watch a league game. Um, obviously, maybe it's a bit different when you don't know any better. I don't mean don't know any better, but that's the way you're used to watching football. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, it, it must surely be a bit of a pain in the ass getting up some, some nights and, and watching some of this stuff. It, it is. When um, when things don't go well, uh, it can be a little frustrating, especially late, late night games if you uh, make a bit of a night of it and the night ends pretty badly. So, yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, some good fights on the way home then. <laughs> Definitely. 
All right. Well, Depends how drunk you are, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, I know exactly. I know exactly. <laughs> uh, let's talk about football then. We've had a, a couple of games since the last cast. The Sunderland game uh, was, a, was a real disappointment because it's the sort of game that, that has frustrated us all season long mm-hmm. against the so-called lesser team. Uh, we we just didn't perform. Um, your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, there was a bit of a negative reaction on most of the blogs to the game, um, mostly from the midfield. I, I thought I thought we we started pretty well. We had opportunities, and then uh, when we when we didn't take them early, we had some good ones. Um, the pressure started to mount. Sunderland sat back, didn't really try and attack us, and then yeah, we um, got stuck in that sort of uh, mindset where it was very difficult to break them down at the back. So, yeah, it was a very similar to a lot of the games we've had recently. What do you think of the manager's, not so much complaints, because afterwards he does say, you know, we've got to, we've got to be the team that's, that's going to break these down. But again, he's sort of critical of teams that just come and park the bus, so to speak. But I can remember clearly in that game, Sunderland having uh, one or two quite good chances and Almunia having to make some saves. Yeah, yeah, especially in the the first half hour, they um, we 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 looked like there was a big gap in the middle of the park, just in front of the defence, and they were coming at us pretty frequently on the break. So, yeah, I, I mean, they 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 didn't come out to park the bus or whatever straight from the off, but the the game sort of went like that. When you do hear Wenger talking about that, it, it is disappointing. It's obvious that he's frustrated after games and things like that, but. Um, yeah, it's disappointing to hear that because it's it's up to him to find a way to sort of counter that, and he's really struggling to do that at the moment. All right, and then we go from that kind of uh, disappointment to a game against Roma, uh, who mm. on paper and actually in real life are a better team than than Sunderland. <laughs> uh, we won one nil. We could have won by by two or three. I mean, any theories on, on the differences in performance? Is this a team that, that can really only motivate itself for big games? Uh, it seems a bit like that at the moment. I think I think things are getting a little more consistent in the league, but uh, I don't know. Like The players seem to just get up for the big games a little bit more easily. Um, I think specifically with the Roma game, the Italian teams will always sort of sit really far back on their away games and they often play quite poorly and that sort of thing and it's it's sometimes easy for the home teams to look good against them so mm, it's it's a tough one um we we had opportunities to score goals and mm. two of them were missed uh bentner and abu i suppose guilty of of quite quite poor misses uh it would have been a different story going to to rome two or three goals up uh but what do you make of our overall position uh, yeah, yeah. I think if if we had one more goal, I think the tie is pretty much over. But um, one nil is is pretty good. I, I think most people would have taken that before the game. Um, we go there with no no uh, that with them scoring no away goal. So I think it's it'll make things a lot easier in terms of we can sort of sit back, which can be a strength of ours if we do sit back and hit them on the break with that sort of four five one. Um, and it, and it means they've got to come and score. And if we score, then they've got to score three. So I think we're pretty well placed. I think if we had got one more goal, uh, you'd pretty much almost call the tie over. But it's a little bit up in the air at this stage. All right. And uh, now Fulham is a team that beat us uh, at the start of the season. And 
Uh, it was one of those performances that, that became emblematic almost of our season. Uh, defensive error, let the goal go in, and we just struggled, huffed and puffed to try and break them down. Uh, again, we go into this with this kind of uh, mindset that this is a team we should be beating. Uh, we're at home, but mm. um, how much do you fear a, a repeat of, of what happened against Sunderland? Uh, look, I think it, it's hard to say you go into all these sort of games hoping that it's going to be a bit different. Um, I'm an optimistic sort of supporter, so I, I think we'll we'll play better than, well, not necessarily play better, but we'll uh, we'll attack a little bit better against Fulham than we did against Sunderland. Um, it, again, it really depends on what happens early in the game. If we manage to get a goal and and Fulham are sitting back, then they'll have to do something about that. Um, I, I I am confident that we can go there and 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 score a few goals. So even though that's been quite difficult of late. Alrighty, okay. Well, look, we'll leave it there and hopefully your optimistic prediction will come through. Uh, Spanish Fry from ArcelFCBlog.com. Thank you very much. No problem, no problem. I'll talk to you again. Thank you very much to Spanish Fry from ArsenalFCBlog.com. Do go check it out. Now, uh, before we start looking at finances and figures and all that kind of stuff, here, courtesy of Red Leroy, are the adventures of Thomas Rosicki. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ah, hello, Mr. Zitsky. Uh, how are we? One moment, I'll be right with you. 45 and 15. Now, what can I get you? I would like... One jar of pickled herrings. Oh, sorry, Mr. Rizitsky. They're on order. Three or four weeks, I'm afraid. Uh, okay, I would like three cans of potato soup. Ah, uh, sorry, Mr. Rizitsky. Uh, that's on order, too. Should be three or four weeks, I'm afraid. Oh, okay. Ah, hello, Mr. Eduardo. Uh, good to see you. Uh, yes, I have those items you were looking for. Let me just deal with Mr. Rosicki here. Anything else I can help you with, Mr. Rosicki? One can of diet cola. 
sorry, Mr. Rizitsky. Three to four weeks. <laughs> there, there, Mr. Rizitsky. <laughs> And, of course, Thomas Rosicki will be back in action for Arsenal in about three to four weeks. Now, Arsenal released their uh, half-yearly financial report yesterday. All kinds of uh, interesting and good-looking figures in it, such as profit before tax, uh, up 4.5 million to 24.5 million. Uh, Match day turnover increased by 3.3 million. Broadcasting revenues up 4.5 million. Uh, Overall profit up over half a million. And sales being made in Highbury Square. 186 apartments have been completed to a value of £76.7 million. However, the club say... Uh, there is some backlog of Highbury Square completions because of uh, the various market uh, forces that are going on out there. The receipt of part of the sales proceeds over a longer term than originally expected means there is a probable need to extend the term of the Highbury Square bank loan and discussions with the banking syndicate are at a preliminary stage. So quite exactly what that means, I'm not sure because I'm no financial expert. Uh, I did want to get the uh, AST on to uh, have a bit of a chat about that because they do know their sums inside out and back to front. Uh, But they needed a bit more time in order to digest uh, the results that were given and what they might mean and the implications of them. So hopefully we'll get them on next week's Arscast or uh, if it merits it, we might do a little special Arscast in midweek to look at those figures a bit more. What is clear though is that Uh, when times are tight and when money is a bit tied in property and so much of our uh, income and loans etc are tied up in property that uh, for us to lose money and lose out on the the money that you will get from qualifying for the Champions League uh, while the clubs say they can survive uh, and I know we've spoken about the football aspects of this because there are football implications as well uh, financially it would be a a big, big problem, I think, for us. And uh, quite how many years we've budgeted for to finish outside the top four, outside the Champions League, I'm not sure. Maybe we can survive one year. Uh, But it does affect things overall. And, you know, you look at the Sunderland game on Saturday and, you know, you could see empty seats. And even during the Roma game, there were empty seats. And uh, without Champions League football, you do wonder. You do wonder uh, how many of those empty seats will remain empty and and get emptier. Well, the seats themselves won't get any emptier. So uh, it just makes it uh, so crucial that we we finish well between now and the end of the season. So there you go. Uh, That's the financial stuff. And we'll come back to to other stuff now shortly. Now, uh, there is a a game on Sunday, uh, not involving Arsenal, of course, involving Tottenham and, and Manchester United, the Carling Cup final. And in light of that, George um, decided he would he would call up Spurs. Seriously. Hotspur ticket membership online. Tickets for tonight's match. The UEFA Cup against Shakhtar Donetsk remain on general sale. However, at this stage, <laughs> tickets be purchased in person from the Paxton Road ticket office or from cash turnstiles, which will open this evening in the north and east stands. Tickets are now on general sale for our home match against West Ham United. <laughs> and tickets are on sale to Lily White and Bronze One Hotspur members only for our home match with Newcastle United. Tickets for our FA Youth Cup oh, against Arsenal. Press 3 for press, communications. Mark. Press 1 for press and communications.
Press 2 for commercial partnerships and marketing. Press star. Hello, press office. Hello, good morning. Um, I'm wondering now with the Carlin Cup final coming up, uh, if there's going to be an official song for, for the final, you know, like the old days. A song? No, there won't be a song for the Carlin Cup final. I think people only tend to do that for the FA Cup final, to be honest, but no, we don't have a song. Well, I wrote a song, if you'd, if you'd like it. No, oh, I okay. think it. Do you want to hear it? Sure, go for it. Okay. Spurs are in the final, and we're going to lose, because we are wankers. <laughs> That's a great song. Do you like it? Yeah, <laughs> it's very good, thank you very much. Oh, it's very catchy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might take off. Would you, would you like me to send you the CD? Well, that's a really bad line. I can't hear you very well, then. I'll send you the CD. I'll look forward to it. All right, there's a remix. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye now. Drink from me. Uh, so, Carlin Cup final. Yeah, well, who do you want to win that? Nobody, you see. It's a cunts convention of the highest order. Cunts in red against cunts in white. And, uh, yeah, let's not talk about it anymore because who cares? Uh, my favourite story of the week since the last Arscast was uh, Emmanuel Adibayor, who had an amazing F-word bust-up with an Arsenal fan at an airport, apparently. According to The Sun, this was last Saturday. Uh, the guy said uh, he was giving Adibayor all this stick about how he should try harder, and Adibayor tried to laugh it off while sipping, I don't know what, some very expensive drink, perhaps a cup of liquid gold, because he earns a lot of money, you see. And the guy said, you get paid £80,000 a week to put the ball in the back of the net and you're still fucking rubbish. I pay good money for a season ticket to pay your wages. The guy said, Emmanuel completely lost it and had a right go back. He said, I get £110,000 a week if you must know. Probably, probably a big cup of gold, all right. It just made the guy even more angry. If it wasn't for security dragging him away, it could have got a lot worse. I wonder who it was that got dragged away, Adibayor or the guy? The screaming guy, the shouting man. Maybe Adibayor completely lost his temper and wanted to kill him. He took out his gun and... and shot. Guy could have just stood his ground, though. Probably would have gone wide. Hello, everyone. I am writing this to you while sitting in a hot tub in the Beverly Hills Hotel. I was over here for the Oscars. Me and my mate, Mickey Rourke. Man, the things we did to Kate Winslet just don't bear repeating. Woof, woof. I have been watching the football from afar. This really is a depressing season. I wonder to myself, how is it that this team can beat Chelsea, Man United and Roma, but struggle against shitty team contacts like Sunderland? I applied all my mathematical and scientific thinking to it, and late one night, after a half bottle of Knob Creek and a shot of peyote, I came up with the answer. To say it shocked me was an understatement. How could I have been so blind? How could I not see what was right before my very eyes? I immediately knew I had to write it down to keep it safe. Otherwise, due to the booze, drugs, and underlying medical condition I would forget it and the great pearl of wisdom would be lost for all time. So I made my way into my office, opened my computer, hooked up my zebo to the flanger and inputted the data with my mechanical gimpler. Hurrah, I thought. 
Now when I wake up tomorrow I will be able to take this answer out into the world and make Arsenal great again. Lo and behold I woke up the next morning with quite the hangover. Thankfully I can only feel the headache. I filled my bag, read the Daily Star and went to discover the secret. If my hands could shake they'd have been shaking as I fired up the computer, clicked on the file titled, Arsenal Answer, and then I read. It said, Too much cunt. Not enough cunt. Tonight I'm drinking the rest of that whiskey and smoking a shitload of opium. Maybe it'll make sense then. Oh yes. Uh, we'll have more from Arson Menger Hawkins on Arscast in the very near future. Now, we've got a game tomorrow against Fulham. And uh, as we said earlier, it's, uh, it's a game we need to win. The team news is as follows. The main question mark is about Diaby, revealed Arsene Wenger in his exclusive interview with Arsenal TV Online. I think that could be, you know, if you're a computer programmer or what, what have you, you could do a macro for that, couldn't you? Diaby is out. Diaby makes a comeback. Diaby set for spell on sidelines. The guy really is just so uh, either unfortunate with injuries or he just is a walking injury. Uh, Arsene Wenger said he rushed him back a little bit. But, you know, every time he plays for three or four games, he's out for four or five more. And it's a shame because you can see that, you know, in the current Arsenal squad, he would make a difference. But how can you plan around a guy that you just have no idea if he can stay fit? Because he hasn't managed to stay fit for any prolonged period since he had that terrible injury at Sunderland when Dan Smith smashed him up into little bits. And I suppose that's why you've got to be really cautious with Eduardo as well. After spending that length of time out, uh, maybe all those bits and pieces break down, you know? So uh, that's the situation with Diaby. So he's out. He could be back for the game on Tuesday against West Brom, it seems. Um... Everybody else is all right. Arsene Wenger reckons that Walcott and Eduardo and then Adi Bayor will be the order of players coming back. So uh, uh, beyond that, you've got Fabregas uh, still out, of course, and uh, Rosicki, of course, and Mikhail Silvestre, who uh, many of us have completely forgotten about, which is no bad thing. So after the uh, after the Fulham game, which I do hope we'll win. Uh, at home and uh, in desperate need of points because uh, I think it's Villa are the team that we're going to have to catch. We've got a game against West Brom then on Tuesday night. So we're playing West Brom away uh, and we're playing Fulham. So you would expect to get six points from those. Villa are playing Stoke at home on Sunday and then they are playing Manchester City away on Wednesday. So, if I was to be uh, hopelessly optimistic, you, you might say that, that City could beat them and Stoke could maybe hold them to a draw. Although I fancy Villa to beat Stoke. So, uh, if we win our games and, and Villa happen to slip up against City, then, you know, we could we could get three points back on them. But I think Villa have made it very, very clear where their priorities lie. They went out of the UEFA Cup last night uh, having put out a, a second-string team, I think that's a pretty good indication that Martin O'Neill is just saying, fuck the UEFA Cup. We've got a chance to qualify for the Champions League, and we're damn well going to do it. 
We've got six points on Arsenal. Why waste our time in this fucking Mickey Mouse of a competition? Which is what it is. Make no mistake about that. So, uh, that's where Villa's focus is going to be. There are only 12 games left in the season. Six points behind Villa. All things going well. This time next week, we might be three points behind them. That's dependent on us winning our games. And that's dependent on Villa dropping some points along the way. Um, So, fingers crossed for all that. But you just don't know with this Arsenal team, how they're going to go or what they're going to do or when they're going to do it. And, you know, it sounds a terrible cliche. cliche i was going to say it sounds a terrible cliche but the only thing consistent about us is our inconsistency uh so anyway we'll leave it there for this week i think and uh, we'll be back next week with another arse cast looking ahead to the uh i think it's the fa cup actually next weekend on sunday against burnley so we'll look ahead to that game and uh review everything else that's gone on so fingers crossed it's all good a uh, big happy arse cast on uh, next week so uh, until then take it easy talk to you on the blog cheers bye bye Hello, I am the penis of William Gallas, and for some time I have been involved in a war, a standoff, if you will, with the penis of Colo Touré. He has told everybody what they think of me, and now the perception is that the penis of William Gallas is no better than the penis of Jean-Claude Darcheville. And nobody wants to be compared to the penis of Jean-Claude Darcheville, let me tell you. However, just the other day I was involved in some personal business and there was a knock at the door. I opened it and there was a penis of Colotouré. What do you want? I said. I'm really, really sorry, he said. What? I said, what did you say? He said, I'm really, really sorry. What kind of wheel are you talking about? A bicycle wheel, a tractor wheel, what kind of wheel? No, he said, I'm really, really sorry. Look, I said, you start speaking clearly or this thing is going to get physical. I apologize, he said. Oh, I said, okay, well, why did you not say this earlier? So, says the penis of Colotore, now that we are friends, how about I come over there and help you slip into something a bit more comfortable? Okay, I said, but she mentions that Ashley is coming back at nine. We don't have much time. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.